So about 12 years ago, my wife and I were on our way back from having served in uh, Olympia, Washington at a pastoral internship for the summer while we were in seminary. And we were driving back across the country and had an opportunity to have lots of conversation, obviously, as we drove from Olympia, Washington back to Chicago, Illinois. And one of the things that we talked about was the fact that uh, we were just, or I'll say I was just craving um, I was just craving connection with people in our seminary community. And I felt like I had been a part of the seminary for a while and I had already been there for two years, but this was going to be, we're, we're driving back for our final year of classes. And particularly, I wanted to be able to connect more with some, some men at seminary who were in class with, with us together um, and just develop those, those relationships. And that was one of the things, one of the many things that we talked about as we drove back uh, across the country. And it was funny, as soon as we got back, I was, we were just unloading things and kind of getting settled, and, and I got a phone call from a friend of mine. He says, hey, man, um, so we were just talking. There's, there's a group of us guys who um, have been thinking about wanting to get together more regularly. Are you? And I said, yes. <laughs> I said, yes, I'm in. I'm in. And I just love that, that that's how God worked through that. I, I, I was looking forward to finding other guys to connect with in seminary. And he said, you know, we've just, we've been here for a couple of years and we've been doing our classes together. We've been doing life together, but it just feels like I've got, this is the way that he put it. He said, it feels like I've got a lot of acquaintances, but no real solid friends to do life with. And we're about to be ordained as pastors. We're about to head into the church to serve and, and we're going to need support. We're going to need people that, are, that we have deeper relationships with than just to, to, to recognize one another on campus and say, hey, how's it going? And, and so we were looking at forming this group. And I, and I, just, and I mentioned this group before, I know, uh, to, to all of you. And it's just been incredibly formative and important to me throughout the years to have. And so we started, we started meeting once a week in seminary. And that was, like I said, about 12 years ago. And we still keep in touch regularly uh, through, through online communication. We try to meet together in person. Uh, I had a chance to, to see a few of them a couple of weeks ago uh, for just a couple of days when we met in Chicago. So it, it, I just, I can't tell you, and I can't stress enough how important that has been to my own spiritual development, my own growth, my own support and encouragement to have that group of people to connect with and to actually go deeper in life with and share what's going on in our lives. And today we're going to talk about that. What does it mean to be connected what does it mean to be connected? And I know, and I wonder actually for some of you, how many of you have been a part of this church for a long time and you come to church and you see the people that are familiar to you. Uh, maybe you're sitting in different seats now because the pandemic like shifted things up, right? And you might not be in, in your seat uh, as much as you used to be or sitting every other row and all that stuff. But I wonder as we come to worship, if you have relationships and you have friendly sort of acquaintances, but you haven't actually had the opportunity to actually do life and, and go deeper and be committed to one another as we follow Jesus together. So I wonder if any of you find yourself in that place this morning. And I want to, I want to speak to that uh, because I think the scripture that we have this morning uh, does a great job of illustrating just how important it is for us to be connected. We have just gotten out of, uh, I mean, we're on the way of, of getting out of a pandemic, right? And so I wonder even more so how we felt disconnected in this last year has prepared us maybe to be open for looking for ways to connect on a deeper level with one another. And so we're going to look at that today. 
We continue our sermon series. Now we're entitled, we have entitled it Living Revival because we've had, we, we, we had the opportunity to gather for revival last week. It was amazing. We had such a great time. And we, but yet that was not the only thing, right? The revival continues. It goes on. And so now we're living revival. And over these next three weeks, we're going to have a chance to go back and look at how the revival connects with our mission and our vision of the church. And so just to remind you, the mission of our church is loving our community and inviting all to discover life in Christ. And our vision is to become deeply transformed disciples who live for the transformation of hearts, our church, our community, and the world. That's where we believe that God has called us to be in this place in Boone UMC. Uh, that's the mission that God has given us to follow and to run after. And so this next three weeks, we're going to look at how we actually do that through three ways, through connecting with one another, through serving together, and by growing spiritually. Connecting to one another, serving together, and growing spiritually. So that's the next three weeks of this sermon series. Today we're going to talk about what it looks like to be connected. And we're going to do that by reading from God's Word from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. This is Paul writing a letter to the church in Ephesus. Hear this word from, from the Lord this morning. Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So in the book of Ephesians, Paul takes time to describe kind of how to, actually, unity is one of the big themes in the book of Ephesians. And he spends time talking about what it means to be united in Christ. And one of the reasons for that is because the church in Ephesus was made, of, uh, was made up of people who were from a variety of backgrounds, okay? including people who had been practicing the Hebrew, the, the, the Hebrew tradition for years, who had been a part of the, the, the practice of God's people, and brand new Christians. And so they're trying to work out how do we deal with having people who have been a part of this religious community for a long time and now having people who are joining this religious community who are just as welcome, just as, uh, as, as blessed, just as saved through Jesus Christ as all of us are. And how do we actually get along and how do we do that? And so Paul addresses that in the book of Ephesians. And he starts off um, in, in verse 4. Amen. Amen, little one. Amen. How do we do that? That's hard work, isn't it? It's hard to get along with church folks sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> right? If we're honest, it's hard to get along with all. The reason it's hard to get along with church folks is because we're all people, right? We're all people. And I think sometimes we have this, uh, this church nice culture, right? Where, well, I can't, mm, don't want to step on any toes. We got to be, we're, we're all Christians here, right? Well, we're going to talk about some of that today, uh, this morning as well. What does it look like to be connected even in the midst of our differences, even in the midst of our different understandings of how to live life? Uh, What does it look like to be connected? And so Paul starts off and says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So what is that calling? I'm going to flip backward one page in Scripture to to the first chapter 
where Paul starts the, the book of Ephesians like this. He talks about uh, the calling that we have been invited into. He talks about the fact that verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 4, for Jesus chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So we are called to be sons and daughters of Jesus. And what Jesus does in the world is this, verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins according to God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. And here's, here's, the, here's the point. Verse 10, he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. To bring unity in all things in heaven and earth under Christ. That's what we are called to. That's what we are invited to. We're invited to realize that we are sons and daughters of the living Lord Jesus Christ, who is in the process of bringing all things in heaven and earth into unity. It is not... It is not easy work. It is not easy work to be divided. <laughs> We're going to hear from you later, Ken. So you just, you'll have, you'll have a moment. Um, it's not easy to be brothers and sisters in Christ, but that's what God calls us to. The reason I say it's not easy is, like I said, we all have different opinions, right? We all have different thoughts about how things should be working, how things should be run, how should we meet for church, how should we gather for worship, how should we serve in the community, which, uh, how should we be involved in uh, politics, how should we understand how our work shapes our, our faith and, and vice versa, how do we understand our faith in terms of everything we do every day. There's a lot of things to consider, right? And we're not going to agree on everything. And it's difficult work sometimes to be united, but the thing is, this word promises us that, that is, that's what God is working toward. That's what God has done in Jesus Christ. Working for all things to be united in heaven and earth. And, 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 and that is the mission that we are called to be a part of as sons and daughters of Jesus. And so he tells us this is going to be difficult work. Verse 2, he says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. It sounds so easy, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound easy? Oh, just be humble and gentle. Be patient with one, bear with one another in love. And that sounds so great. And of course we want to do that, but it is hard in real life. I witness it within my own family, right? It's Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to all you dads out there, all of you father figures. God bless you for the ways that you um, have continued to provide leadership and, and in the church and in the community and, and reached out for folks um, and been, been dads for, for all of us here. Thank you for that work. Um, in my own family, I see it. I know that my kids love each other. I know that they do. And I don't know where they, where, where did they go? Did they go out? I don't see them. Um, so I can... <laughs> um, but they fight, right? Everybody fights. This is part of life. But I see it in my kids and I see how much they enjoy being together. They play together well. And then all of a sudden, like something flips a switch and then it's like, Terror has happened. I don't know what happened, but somebody has been grievously wronged, uh, maybe beyond repair. I don't know. Uh, and we hear words and, and names being, being shouted through the, the home. 
I won't say them because you, you know my kids' names, but we'll hear them echo through the halls, right? Inevitably, it happens. It's hard sometimes to be brothers and sisters, even in Jesus. I wonder how many times you have been at church and wanted to yell someone's name. <laughs> Come on, Joe. If anybody here named Joe, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking to you. I'm, that's a general name. Don't you know that we're just trying to follow Jesus? Can't you be more? And I think there's this idea that in order to follow Jesus, in order to be brothers and sisters in Christ, in order to be united in Christ, we have to all think the same. We all have to agree all the time. And it always has to be shiny and happy and loving and joyful and peaceful. And I would love it if that were the case, but that's just not real life, is it? It's just not real life. We have thoughts. We were made with passions and desires and ways that we understand the world. God made us that way. God made us diverse, right? If God wanted us all to be the same, God would have done that from the beginning. And we would all just think the same and do the same. And how boring would that be, right? But God's kingdom is a beautifully diverse representation of all of humanity and of all of the emotions and all of the thoughts and all of the gifts that God has given us to be the church together united. It is a diverse place and it's something to celebrate and it's also something that sometimes is difficult to live out. But we are encouraged today by this word. He says in verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit by the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit by the bond of peace. What Paul is saying is that you are already united in Christ. You are already united by the Spirit of God. There's nothing you need to do. Christ accomplished that work for us on the cross. Christ went to the cross, died for our sins, was resurrected again to make all things new and to reconcile all things to himself. Or as it said in, in, verse, in the beginning, to put into effect, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. So Christ has accomplished that work. We are already united. We are already united. Remember that the next time that you're talking with somebody and you disagree and you just think, oh, I can't even talk to you anymore, <laughs> right? Because that's the culture we live in now is that if we don't agree on everything, we can't even talk to one another. We can't even be in the same room. We can't, I can't sit next to you and worship because I know what you think about X, Y, and Z. And I know, what you, I know who you voted for. Or I think I know who you voted for. And therefore, I can't sit next to you. No, no, no. We are all united in Christ. We are united as a part of a bigger calling as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. So he says, make every effort to maintain that unity. I think he's really saying, make every effort to remember <laughs> that you are united in Christ. That is part of our calling as brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, seven times in verses four through six, Paul says, Paul says one word. See if you can hear it. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and in all and through all. Paul says the word one seven times in those verses. Seven is a number of completeness and perfection in the Bible. And so he's really trying to stress to us that, hey, you have that unity. Make every effort to realize it and to live like it. I love Eugene Peterson's translation of, of, of this, verse six. He says in the message translation, everything you are and think and do 
is permeated with oneness. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. One of the things that I love about the unity that we share in Christ is that it brings people together that normally just wouldn't hang out together. Have you noticed that? If not for Jesus, if not for our one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, all of us probably wouldn't be hanging out here this morning, right? And we see that all throughout the church. And it brings us joy. We had the opportunity yesterday to celebrate the life of George Didier, who was a longtime uh, member of this church, or at least the last 10 years um, plus, was a member of this church, and he started the Joy in Unity Foundation. Uh, even in its name, it's, it's joyful, right? Joy in Unity Foundation is a group that helps to educate um, underprivileged folks in, in Potsdam, Guatemala. And I know as I look around, some of you have been to Potsdam. Uh, I've, I've had a chance to go once. And it, it, it just, again, the thing that stands out to me about this, George had a heart for helping educate the children in Potsdam so that they could have a different life, so that they could, have, uh, they could break generational poverty, so that they could have different opportunities uh, living in the village of Potsdam. I never got a chance to ask George, how in the world did he end up in Potsdam, Guatemala? I mean, it's this tiny, tiny little village. And yet, here is George advocating for these, for these kids to have education. And a number of you, I know, have sponsored children from Guatemala and have helped to pay the, the scholarships for their education. And thank you for that, because you have changed an entire village by your participation in the Joy and Unity Foundation. This is one way that we see in the church, one of so many ways, where, we are, where our unity brings together people that wouldn't otherwise have a reason to be together. How in the world would you be connected to a child in a, in, a, in a podunk village in Guatemala other than because of Jesus and because of God's unifying work in the Spirit that brought us together? It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. If you'd like to sponsor a child, come and talk to me and we can, we can figure that out or talk to the church office. Um, we can get you signed up for that. Another place where we saw unity is in the revival. I mentioned this last week, right? We had folks from all of our services there. We had folks that, that normally would have come to the traditional service here. We had folks that would normally come to the contemporary service. We had folks that were a part of the Crossroads community. We had people who were a part of King Street Church. We had people who were a part of Blackburn's Chapel. All of us worshiping under the tent together. And that was a beautifully diverse picture of what not only Boone United Methodist Church looks like, the broader Methodist, Boone United Methodist Church, but what the kingdom of God looks like. And we were all there and we were all singing and we were all praising God with one voice, united, realizing, living into our unity that we have in Christ. And it was such a beautiful thing. There was harmony. There, was, there, there were all kinds of worship songs, different styles. Everybody sang together because we were there to see what God was up to in our midst. We were there to live into the unity that God had called us to. We were part of something bigger than, than our individual agendas and our individual preferences for worship styles, right? And it was beautiful. If you were there, you know what I'm talking about. And it was just such a wonderful thing to be a part of. That's an example of the unity that we experience as Christians. And, and something else beautiful happened there um, as we gathered uh, and this happened on Wednesday night. One of, the, one of the groups, as we gathered and we sought God's face and we asked for, for revival and we asked for how can we be the body of Christ, how can we be responsive to how the Spirit's moving in our midst, is we had time for prayer. And we had an opportunity to pray with one another. 
And one of the groups that was there that was praying together, somebody came up and said, you know, hey, we need to do this more often. We need to be able to live life with one another. We need to know what's going on in one another's lives. We need to be able to support each other through prayer on a regular basis. And so, hey, why don't we just hang out? Let's just stay. I don't want to leave this place. Let's just stay. And so they gathered up in a circle at the front of the tent after everything was done with the revival. And they just stayed and they shared time together and they shared ways that they could be in prayer for one another. And they shared how they could be better connected and better live into that unity that Jesus calls us to. And afterwards, they talked to Vernon and said, hey, uh, we have this group of people that we just decided, based on what God was doing in our lives, we want to be together more intentionally. Can you help us and and shepherd us as a small group? Can we be a small group going forward? Yes, absolutely, you can be a small group going forward. And so I just, again, just another way that when we realize the unity, God gives us an opportunity to go even deeper into it. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. One last thing I'll mention as we talk about what it means to be, a, be connected in the church. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we've noticed, um, it seems like lately and particularly kind of through the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic, people are not as inclined to join institutions as much as we once were. Have you noticed this? I know that Rotary and, and all kinds of uh, scouts and all kinds of, of, of organizations throughout the country have, have noticed this kind of decline in, in willingness to say, hey, I want to join. I want to be a part of that thing. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's part of a, sort of an institutional bias or, or, or a, just a, a, I'm not sure where exactly it comes from. I'm sure there's a lot of factors. But it's, it's just, it's, it's interesting to notice that um, we still crave that connection. Right? So even if people are less likely to sign up and say, hey, I want to be a part of this thing, we still sit and we say, we really, we just, coming out of the pandemic especially, I think it helped us all kind of reflect on how do we spend our time? What do I want to be a part of? Which organizations do I want to continue to be a part of? And there are so many wonderful ways to give and service, and I know so many of you are connected in those ways, but it's caused us to really think and reflect about how do we want to steward our time, and it's caused us to think about what's really important in our lives. And it's caused us to ask questions about who am I connected to and what does that look like? And do I have those deep relationships that are going to be able to withstand a global pandemic and breakdowns all over the place and and, and life not being what we expected it to, to be? And so one of the beautiful things about our, about this place is that we come knowing that we long and we have this desire to be a part of something bigger than us, that God placed within us from the beginning of time this desire to be unified and to be connected to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to be connected and joined to the work that God is doing in the world. We have that built into us. That's a natural desire as a part of being human. And so we come here to this place to realize that unity and to work it out, to work out our salvation together. And, and, and when we take vows to join the church, we're going to have an opportunity. Uh, Marianne Spiegel is going to join our church after, uh, after the, the service here, at the end of the service. And when we do that, when we say that we want to commit to something, here's what we do in the United Methodist Church. We promise to be faithful to the United Methodist Church and to this congregation through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. It's more than just saying, I want to join an organization. 
right? It's saying, I want to give all of myself to the God who's given all to us. And the expression of that God is lived out through the hands and feet of the body of Christ, through you and I. And so we give ourselves in prayer. We give ourselves to praying regularly to what God would have us do as a church and as a community. We give ourselves to our presence. We, we, we pledge our presence to be here, right? When we can. If we're not sick, we're here. If we're not out of town, we're here, participating in worship. We give our, our, ourselves to, to giving, right? That's what we're pledging, to be faithful to, to give of ourselves and our resources, everything that God has given us, to give back to this mission, to be part of, of God's kingdom in the world. We pledge to serve, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community and beyond. And then this last one, this is interesting, and witness. We pledge to be a witness. People will know that there's something going on in your life by your presence and your connection here. Have you, noticed, have you noticed what's happened at our church these last several months? There is an energy, there is an excitement. God is on the move through revival and beyond. Things are happening, and that's part of what we profess when we say that we want to be a part of this movement called God's church and God's kingdom. Um, they added this, this stanza about witness a few years ago, because if you're a part of the church and nobody can tell, then what's the point? If you're a part of the church and your witness, the way that you live your life, the way you interact and serve and give in the community isn't obvious, then what's the point of belonging to the church? So they added this step that our witness, that by the way that we live our life, by the way that we engage in the community, people will know that we are a part of something bigger than us. And that we've given ourselves to the unity that we can only experience. How, what in the world would bring all of these people to gather underneath a tent in the rain for three days? What in the world is going, why would I want to be a part of that? <laughs> tell, tell me, help me understand. But we were there and we did it and it was beautiful and we continue to do it. And that's what we're called to. To be a part, to be open to what God's doing in our, in our lives and in the world. Uh, to be open to realizing unity with people that we might not agree with. In fact, people that we might disagree with. We might not even like. God calls us to be together, to be connected with those people specifically for those times when, when things get difficult. We're going to sing, we're going to sing Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. This is one of my favorite hymns. But I love this verse in particular. This is verse three. It says, and this talks about what it means to be connected. We share each other's woes, our mutual burdens bear, and often for each other flows the sympathizing tear. That's what it means to be connected. That's what it means to be unified in Christ, is that we share each other's burdens and joys. We weep with those who are weeping. We rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And, and how important was this over this past year, right? To be able to have somebody to call, to be in prayer with, those deep relationships that, that are united through Christ, to know that I can share a, sympathetic, a, a sympathizing tear with one another. That's what God is calling us to, to be united together in that mission. And we really, I think, at the bottom line, we have an opportunity this morning to, to ask ourselves, what do we want to be, Boone United Methodist Church, what do we want to be known for in the community, right? We have our mission, we have our vision, loving our community, inviting all to discover life in Christ. But what does it mean for us to witness, to be a part of that? What does it mean for our lives, for people to know us and, and, and sense how do we want to respond? How do, how do we act connected? How do we live out that connectedness? How do we want to respond to a pandemic? People are 
looking for opportunities to connect. Even though giving and, 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 giving and volunteering and, and things are down in institutions, people are craving that opportunity for connection and for oneness. And we have it in this church through Jesus. And so I just, again, want to offer the invitation to you to consider what does your witness look like in this community because of your time here at this church? What does your witness look like in the world because of your time spent in prayer and in the presence of God and in the giving of yourself to God's mission and God's kingdom in the world? What does your witness look like? What story do we want people to tell about us and how many people do we want to be a part of that story? I think that's what Paul is encouraging us to this morning. And so friends, remember that we are united in Christ even when we disagree. That we can sing under the tent in the rain all day long because God made us with that unity in Christ. It's not something that we do on our own. It's really hard. It's really hard to be humble and gentle and patient and bear with one another in love. But through the power of Jesus Christ, we are able to do that. Through the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, we have that unity. So let's go and be witnesses of that oneness for God's kingdom. Amen.